I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerge from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world: Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, I take you on a journey of India's languages from the Rigvedic times to today and uncover the hidden injustice which has ramifications to this day. In 2018, researchers at the University of Maryland and the World Bank published findings of a very unique research project. They classified all languages as gendered or non-gendered. Gendered languages are those where inanimate objects are assigned genders and there is a gender in grammar. For example, in Hindi, there are distinct strilling or feminine and pulling or masculine, with masculine being the default gender. In contrast, we have Bengali, which is a gender-neutral language, which is why when a native Bengali speaker learns Hindi, they often struggle with gendered grammar. The research project went on to uncover that grammatical gender is associated with larger gender gaps in educational attainment and labor force participation. This was starkly true for India as well. Amongst women whose native language is a gendered language, they obtain less education and are less likely to be in the labor force than women whose native languages are not gendered languages. This was found true even after controlling for the level of labor force participation amongst men from the same ethnic group and religious affiliation. But why should that be the case? Why should our native language have such an impact? This is the story of how right from the dawn of Indian civilization, gender and language have had a complicated relationship right from the times of Kalidas up until partition. In many elite Hindu families in Delhi region and the northwest, until about the time of partition, it was custom for boys to learn Persian and Urdu and be literate in the Persian script, while the girls were taught Devanagari. Amongst elite Sikh families too, the boys would similarly be schooled in Persian and Urdu, while the girls were taught Gurmukhi, the Punjabi script in which the Guru Granth Sahib, the Sikh holy book, is written. Muslim families too had their own version of this linguistic divide. Sayyid Naqvi, in his memoir, Being the Other, the Muslims in India, tells a similar male-female linguistic separation that continued up to his grandmother's time in their hometown of Mustafabad in Western UP. Here, the men spoke in Urdu and the women spoke the local dialect, Avadi. And if you thought that this was a more recent phenomenon, which happened after the advent of Turkic and Mughal rulers, let's travel back in time to the 4th century BC, where we encounter Kalidas' play Abhigyan Shakuntalam, which was composed in the post-Rigvedic period. In the texts of the play, the men speak in Sanskrit and the women speak a local Prakrit. Hence, in the text, the Sanskrit translation of the woman's speech is given separately in a note at the bottom of the page. Kalidas was no outlier by any means and was merely reflecting the norms of the time. Professor Madhav Deshpande at the University of Michigan recalls the story of the wife of Vedic teacher who would hear the Veda recited every day but was not allowed to recite it herself. One day, she notices a student reciting the Veda with a wrong accent. She tells him that he is making a mistake, but cannot herself give him the proper pronunciation of the Vedic verse. So the student tries different options till he hits the right one and the teacher's wife recognizes and confirms it. 
So there was clearly a language divide between men and women. But how does this matter to us today? How could it have resulted in lower labor force participation and educational attainment amongst women? For this, we need to understand two important concepts in sociolinguistics: bilingualism and diglossia. Bilingualism is about two languages you know having essentially the same functions such that it is easy to translate from one to the other. Diglossia is when a child learns one language and speaks it at home and then later on maybe at school transits to another language which is used for less basic things. The result is not two separate languages that exist in parallel but a single competence where ground level things are done in the first language and things to do at work and school in another. Now imagine that you were a sick girl pre-partition who was taught only gurumukhi and had no exposure to languages of power such as persian you had no chance of getting a government job now imagine the daughter of this sick girl post independence when english became the language of power she still spoke punjabi at home went to a punjabi medium school which may have introduced english only by the 5th grade whereas the boy being favored was sent to an english medium school right away the girl would exhibit classical diglossia as she did on ground things in punjabi but was uncomfortable with english since it was the other language for her now imagine the next generation of this very same family who had become wealthy and their attitudes changed with time right from the beginning she was exposed to both punjabi and english sent to an english medium school and therefore became bilingual the bilingualism allowed her to flourish outside of the home as well allowing her to get jobs so clearly the access and fluency in languages had clear ramifications based on your gender and class and in india even caste as well as we consider the past and present of indian languages we must not forget that women have been long denied access to languages of power to keep them disenfranchised paul salopek the man who's walking the world was interviewed by the pulitzer center on completion of 6 years of walking this is what paul had to say the single biggest and most inescapable social injustice i have encountered on foot across the world walking through dozens of different cultures ethnicities language and religions is gender at the dawn of the 21st century women tend to get the short end of the stick from birth to death no matter where they are they are the first ones up to work and the last to go to bed after a long day of labor they get paid less their voices generally don't carry as much weight in political forums even their freedom of movement is curtailed by men where they can go and when it's really extraordinary when you stop and think about it if aliens landed on earth today they would be baffled by it half the human species being discriminated against based on two x chromosomes it's stupid and maddening we all suffer for it whenever we travel we must remember that gender injustice is something we all suffer from If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can listen to us on the IVM podcast app or ivmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IVM Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram.